0: Sports Interaction, Canada's sports Sportsbook.
1: Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I predicted it when I wrote it up this morning that uh, Montreal was going to win this one. It just felt like it was going to be a tough way for, for Nashville to come here, the second half of a back-to-back, with the way that the Canes were going to be amped from the crowd after they brought PK back. You knew it was going to be a very energetic start to the game, and it was, and Let's face it, Nashville made a game out of it. They came back. The second and the third period, I think they were very, very strong. But uh, the Canadians had their best period of the season in the first period here. And uh, they continued to find ways to control the game uh, throughout the rest of the game. So, great performance from the Montreal Canadiens. I know that the tankers are going to be frustrated. But listen, you got to win some games during the season that make the guys feel good, and I think this one was an important one to win. We've got great guests with us tonight. Eric Young's going to join us, and uh, his internet's not going to die this time. And if it does, well, we'll stop and restart because we're recording and we're not live this time, <laughs> so we can wait for him. And Ian Boivere is going to join us as well from Rabbit Habs and the Build Podcast. Check those out, and of course, with Eric, check him out wherever he'll be wrestling next. We'll talk about his his exit and his dramatic stabbing in uh, be- the beginning of December there and uh, make sure that you check that out and also his work on dangle bet Selly on the fantasy sports Network all right let's get straight into it but before we do thinking all the way it's gonna go make your bet with sports interaction whether it's hockey football or basketball sports interaction has you covered bet pre-game live in play. Or on one of our many prop bets. Like, hey, Cole Caulfield to score 50 goals. It's looking closer again, everyone. It's looking closer again. He got straight away for a little bit, but now he's on pace for 49. So, who knows? Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, everyone. I'm going to welcome in our guests now. Welcome to the show, Eric and Ian. How are you guys doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm not going to answer for Ian, but I'm sure he's doing good as he's a Habs guy, and uh, they just pulled off the win. Really fun game, though.
2: Yeah, that was probably the most fun game we've seen in a long time out of this Canadian squad. Um, So, yeah, I mean, tank um, ruining a side, which I'm still very much able to put that on the back burner and enjoy a win like this. It, It was a pretty fun game.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you guys felt, because I know like Eric is a, a National Predators fan. We both came into it from the Canadian side, Ian. Uh, watching P.K. Subban tonight, you know, uh, a very good player for both franchises, clearly the Montreal Canadiens still mean a hell of a lot to him, and clearly he still means a hell of a lot to Montreal Canadiens fans and the organization. You saw Jeff Molson beaming while Subban was giving him props, I don't know about you guys, but when Carey Price came out there and gave him the triple low five, I like when they were doing that, that's when I started getting into media. And that was kind of like my prime time of Habs fandom outside of when I was a kid. And then they traded Patrick Wall and I was like, well, screw this crap. I'm going to be a Colorado fan for a bit. Uh So that got me a little bit emotional. I was like annoyed that I was a little bit emotional <laughs> about it, but I was looking at it. And I was like, <clears throat> these guys are like the two franchise cornerstones of this team when I started covering them professionally as like coming from a fan perspective and both of them are never going to lace up skates for this organization again like let, let's face it it's not going to happen it was it's a weird and cathartic moment but unfortunately they never got their Stanley Cup together
2: yeah i mean you know, it was it was closure. It was closure that I think we, we kind of needed. I was the same way. I got very emotional after you know, I was I was holding it together until Carrie Price walked out there. That was that was tough because seeing them both like that, the only thing I could think of was that it didn't need to be this way. This didn't need to be the way we said goodbye to these guys. And you know, you feel like you know, I I mean, I'm I'm 27, I felt old watching that. Like that's that's how long ago this stuff is, how far in the past it is. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's great to see PK around. I wish we could have gotten one more look at him on the ice in a Canadian's uniform. Um, same with Carey Price. I'll always long for for you know, guys being able to go out on their own terms. Um but yeah, it was it was closure, but I don't think. I don't think it was exactly the way I would have wanted that to end. Obviously it ends with a cup and we're, we're, we we have a different conversation.
1: 100%. And he almost got that cup in Nashville, his first season there. Uh, Eric, let, let's pivot to you just from the ma- Nashville perspective. It seemed like he was in Nashville for a longer amount of time, but it was only three years and two of those seasons he missed around 20 games. So really uh, a, like two seasons and a half about in Nashville. What is your, like, what do you remember about PK as a Nashville predator? What What's his legacy there?
0: Yeah. I mean, as you guys know, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but I mean, the dude casts a huge shadow and it did feel like he was here much longer than he was, was, you know, obviously, you know, acclimated himself into the community was doing stuff with Vanderbilt children's hospital here as well. Um, he's a huge personality. He's going to kill whatever he does on television, uh, whatever he does with ESPN and whoever else he decides to to work for, um, I think he was great for the game. I believe he will continue to be good for the game because he's so well spoken, he's not afraid to say the truth, which is the thing that all hockey players are afraid of or trained to be afraid of. So that's a it was a nice a brush of breath of breath of fresh air when this trade happened. Look at like I, I'm a huge Shea Weber fan. He was one of, if not my favorite Nashville Predator at the time. But I looked at it as the Nashville Predators won this trade. You're getting a more mobile, uh, a more offensive, and a higher energy player in his prime. And Shea Weber was definitely an older player, still the captain, right? still a good player still had the crazy shot, was still, you know, I mean, offensively I think was underrated just because they, he was like this big kind of lumbering guy, but still like played at the top power play unit, a rocket shot that everyone knew about and feared. Um, and, but I thought that they w- won that trade. I think it's, it's almost a wash, right? It's almost pretty even. Subban was really good the first like kind of year, year and a half, then he got hurt and then started having troubles with his back and it was kind of never really the same. Weber was, pretty good to very good for the Habs uh, and got hurt and fell off. Like he was playing hurt in that playoff run okay. and, you know, the stuff you hear about and, you know, the stuff you hear from the players and from the, the medical staff there, like he shouldn't even have been able to move around, let alone play full contact hockey. So dude's a, a beast and it continues to still be one of my favorite players. But yeah, Subban here. um, It did seem like he played here for like eight years and yeah. it wasn't that long. Um I never got to meet him, which is really rare. I've, I've, I've crossed paths with a lot of the players. Um, you know, it's a, it's not a big town, you know, small town. And uh, you, you know a lot of the same people and charity events and all this other stuff. But it was a guy that I never got to meet. And, and uh, that makes me pretty sad, actually. I, I've never heard a bad word spoken about him. The speech was amazing. What they did, when him and Kerry Price did the 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 three clap thing, the traditional thing, and the crowd went nuts. It's like, uh-oh. Uh preds are preds are in trouble man i I knew you know i had a feeling about it uh and like you said like you know tanking aside look at the players don't they don't care about tanking they're they're playing to win every night they're not you know montreal's not put in a position to win Uh, i think slavkovsky if they were in a position to win he would be down and not playing with them i still think that's something that they should seriously consider um but Fun game. Once the triple, the triple handshake or triple clap or whatever you want to call it. Once that happened, I knew we were in trouble. So I knew we were- I knew it.
1: The triple low five. Yeah. The one triple that uh, Michelle Terry and band as soon as he was uh, hired as head coach, because apparently World it monster. was disrespecting the team and disrespecting the fans. So seems like the fans still enjoyed it all- quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it was a great start to the game. Uh, I really I laughed really hard when Hal Gill, obviously a former defense pair for PK in Montreal and teammate in Nashville. I think i no, no Hal was probably retired by the time PK was there, but
0: uh, no, he, was, I think he may have played with him this first year.
1: this first year. Yeah. yeah. So and also like Hal's part of the broadcast crew there in Nashville now, so yeah. like he's entrenched there, and always Hal was always the best at chirping PK. I don't think anybody else, any of his teammates, w- could ever chirp him so as effectively. Maybe Thomas Placanich at, at times, but he just is. He took a screenshot of PK coming out, and he was like, "All right, game starts in 45 minutes." You know, PK never shuts up, right? But he kept it short and sweet. I thought brought out uh, the young lady from the children's hospital, elevated her. I think that's it's one of those things where that I love about PK Subban. This is his moment. And he takes that to give it to a kid who needs a bright spot. And it's just the kind of stuff that I I think I'll never forget about the guy that he is. And, you know, you were talking about Shea Weber. And I think for whatever reason with PK Subban, anytime there's discourse around PK Subban or the PK Subban trade, there's like this reflex from a lot of people like, oh, well, so you hate Shea Weber. We can talk about P.K. Subban and greatness in his career without denigrating Shea Weber whatsoever. Like, I think Eric did a great job. And the whole situation with Weber and the Canadians, like, yeah, the Canadians were pretty terrible for most of the time that Weber was here, except for that one cup run. And that's not his fault. The team was just bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like, he doesn't. he's not the GM, right? He's not the coach. So I, I think that there's a lot of consternation between like the two sides when there doesn't need to be two sides. And one thing that i always respect about Shea Weber, not to make it all about Shea Weber is he ended his career for that playoff run. And there's a lot of guys on that team that did that team was not super talented. They weren't particularly well coached, but guys like Shea Weber, Kerry price, Paul Byron, Brendan Gallagher, Eric Stahl, either ended their careers or were never the same after that. And I think that speaks volumes about the character those guys had and how much they cared about each other to, to go on that cup run. So, yeah, we're talking about P.K. Subban. We are not disrespecting Shea Weber at all, so don't <laughs> tell us that we are when you're watching this back. But uh, the one thing that stood out to me the most in regards to P.K. talking about the team when he was doing his little speech was when he pointed at the crowd and he was like, if you give it all every night, they will always love you. And I watched the bench, and I was like, "Oh, this first period's gonna be good." You could tell, like, it resonated with the team. And I was like, "Okay, is PK joining the coaching staff next year? Like, is he gonna be the pregame speech guy? Because that was pretty damn good, right?" Like, and you—you you heard. I remember Rene talked about. He wrote an article in the Players Tribune after the Cup run, talking about how PK was one of the guys who like continually got them up for games. And when they eventually lost in the Stanley cup final, he kind of helped them get over it by saying like, listen, we're going to be right back here. And (laughs) obviously that wasn't true, but having a guy like that. And I think it goes to show what kind of guy uh, he was in the locker room aside from all of the, you know, manufactured controversies that happened in and around Montreal or, I, I heard one in Nashville as well, when he was cheating at, at cards on the plane, which I completely believe because he cheats at everything, but <laughs> you know, that's PK in a nutshell, right? He's hyper competitive, but I think he, he, that passion also bleeds through the rest of his team.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, we talk about, you know, the elephant in the room here is that, you know, Brendan Gallagher isn't much of a fan of, of PK. And, you know, thinking, I was thinking about it today, like, well, when PK gave, you know, he said at the beginning, like, if you give it all for this team, this, this city's going to love you. Him and Brendan Gallagher have a lot in common in that respect, because Brendan Gallagher is one of those leave it all out there kind of guys. Um, they have a different way of approaching that and discussing it, but they're not all that dissimilar when it comes to the way that they value that crest, that, that the logo on their jersey, you know. I think for a while, like we forgot that playing for this team is supposed to mean something. And I think that's, you know, the, 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 the podcast interview that PK did recently um, with uh, I think it's Ryan Clark of ESPN where he's, he talked about how like he was a Canadians fan through and through growing up. This is the only place he wanted to play at, at some point. Like that should matter when it comes to retaining players. And it's why I kind of scoff at, you know, you know, Jeff Molson, bringing him back in here. Well, you kind of signed off on his trade, right? Like you were the president of hockey operations for the Montreal Canadiens and you still are, you know? So it's all of it still leaves a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Unfortunately, Um, I'm sure that'll go away eventually, but you know, for now it's still, it's still that seeing both carry and PK out there, as we kind of talked about with Weber as well, and Byron and Gallagher won't give up that ghost just yet. He still really wants to play, even though it's looking increasingly unlikely that he'll ever return to the level that he was at those are all players that gave everything for this jersey it's why we love them right it's why we watch these games it's it's the one part of the last two seasons that's kind of been really difficult to stomach is how there are just on a lot of nights you can just see the guys who are going out there chipping the puck in and getting off the ice and pk was never one of those guys you know through all of the warts that people created for him he was never one of those players
1: yeah, he couldn't do it, right? And sometimes no. to his detriment, right? Where that's why sometimes guys like Michel Therrien hated him. You know, right. uh, he re- he refused to make the simple play because he knew there was something better out there. It, like, we, you listen to Marty St. Louis talk and like finding the best play and, and uh, reacting instead of being a drone to systems. Man, he would have been a great coach for P.K. soup.
2: They, they <laughs> yeah. would have gotten along real well. It's, yeah. Again, another shame with that.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the game. Uh, We won't stick too much on PK, but I will say I'm wearing my uh, Nashville Predators PK Subban shirt. So I'm representing everybody tonight. Um, But uh, great game. Best first period of the Canadian season so far, in my opinion. 19 shots. They've had full games where they've had fewer shots than that. (laughs) A large chunk of them over the last couple of years, actually. But uh, one thing that stood out to me, and I know, Eric, you're a big fan of physical hockey. How much would you love to have Arbor Jacai on the Nashville Predators? Because he was laying the body tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it ha- and has done that since he came in. It's such a cool story of, you know, working at Costco. and it's <laughs> It's just, it's awesome. I mean, and to see a player like that get a real shot to play, uh, I can tell you, that, you know, I uh, did a uh, got a podcast with Chris Meany, at the start of the year, I was like, I don't, I don't know, like three of the six starting defensemen for the Montreal <laughs> Canadians, I don't even know who they are, and mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a hockey lunatic. I'll watch, probably right now, probably I'll probably watch more than 300 live games this year. I consume it like nobody that I know, and I didn't know who they were, and that's problematic if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, because yeah. I'm not saying I know every player. In the system, but I know I could probably sit here and name every player on every team if we had long enough. We don't, but uh they proven to be pretty good, you know. Gully and, and Harris and, and Jack guy uh hit one of the coolest nicknames too in the in the uh in the NHL Wi-Fi. I showed my wife his name the other day. She goes, It really does look like a Wi-Fi password. So it's uh dude, he's a tough customer. Him and Jano. Uh, really nobody hit anybody in that fight, but it was spirited. Uh, you kind of had a feeling that they were both going to go at it. And, uh, yeah, like you said, the first period for Canadians was really good. Um, missing an open net. That's as problematic. Twice. Unbelievable. uh, Yeah. Twice an unbelievable pass from UC Parson. in my notes, I've got his name underlined four times. That means I'm very serious.
1: He was incredible tonight.
0: Yeah. He good. He's been incredible since they brought him up, and he doesn't have a ton of goals. But I think uh, tonight makes 11 assists for him in, in 10 games. So, And he's he's put into places where he should be. He's he's an offensive skilled player, and he's playing in those spots. It's really cool to see, man.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I got to shout out that uh, Jacai, you know, having a great nickname is rare in the NHL today, but he has several. He's also got the Sheriff, which he brought from Junior, and I also really like one that uh, got thrown around the
2: jackhammer, which and is, the, you're forgetting. Uh, the those Kirk- three the unreal ones. ones. The Kirkland killer, the Kirkland killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it, he deserves them all. Like yeah, he, yeah. he's just, he's already got folk hero status in Montreal. And uh, he, he's one of the guys who's actually been pretty consistent. While well, the Canadians have been pretty terrible over these last like month or so. But, uh, Obviously, he was throwing out the, the body tonight. Uh, the, the fight was, you he, I feel like he got, they each got one shot in, but Jack Eyes, he hit chin, but it was like with these two knuckles. So, yeah. you know, and then they just, they fell and, you know, gave each other the good fight to head bop and it was good. Two tough guys going at it that can play. And, and that's, that's the kind of tough guys that I love, right? Is yeah, they're going to fight once in a while and I'm not a huge fighting and hockey guy. But when it's about an emotional moment or like things are going on and two guys get into it and it's real, I'm all for that if uh, if they don't get, like really seriously injure each other and the respect after the fight. I love that. I The one thing that I hate about fighting the most in, in the NHL is when a guy falls down and the other guy starts pummeling him while he's down. And yeah. neither guy had any interest in doing that, and I love that. I love the good sportsmanship.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, fighting is what it is. We're not removing it. You know, I, I don't want to glorify it. Um, I will say that Jack, I was doing a pretty good job staying out of the penalty box for like a half dozen games. And now and he was still in the league, in the lead in the league for penalty units. And now he just decided, I'm just going to run away with it now. Um, he's, I think the only guy competing with him was former Canadian Nick Delorier. So um, pretty tough customer himself. Yeah.
1: 100%. 100%. All right. What um, else I have here? I had, uh, for the first time this year, or for the first time in a long time, the Canadians get scored on first, which I expected with how great they started after getting scored on first, that there was a possibility that they would fall apart tonight. They did. And so I, I got to give the whole team credit for that, coaching staff credit for that. It seemed to me like they really wanted to win this game. And I'm not saying that... The problem has been they don't want to win because like Eric said earlier, I think every team goes into every game wanting to win, but in an 82 game season, I think there's, you can't get that hundred percent effort for every single no game. And like no there, there's, there's some teams where you have, you know, one or two or even three great lines where they kind of alternate and each one will have a great night like, every game that week, and that gets them through. The Canadians don't have that. So, when, when that top line doesn't score, things fall apart. But tonight, again, the Jake Evans line was stellar. And the top line got it done on the power play. They, they from the drop of the puck to the end of the game, seemed extremely committed to getting this win. And it's funny, the, the speculation before the game was like, oh, well, why... Why would these guys care about, about Subban being honored, right? And uh, Gallagher not liking him or whatever, and maybe it was just going to like throw them off. I think they saw in how the fans reacted to Subban, how it can be in Montreal when you win. And that was just that extra motivating factor to, like, to win this specific one.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Like you you said with the line, the the line from Subban of saying, if you give everything, these people will love you. And that's it. I mean, that's if that doesn't motivate you as an athlete, I I don't know what does.
1: Exactly, right? And there's not many arenas like the Bell Center that get going on. You know, like we talked about Slavkovsky earlier and how he's been struggling offensively. He got a standing ovation tonight for two big block shots, right? And then... Ran out and to and try to hit. clear the zone. Yeah, and it hit. Yeah, so yeah. like it, it's little stuff like that that might not happen in every rank, right? It, the attention to detail the Canadians fans have and the appreciation of the little things. I it was really nice to see the team kind of comprehend that and, and give that kind of effort tonight because I, I do think they've been better the last three or four games, but it's been a stretch where there hasn't been much attention to detail. There has been like slumping shoulders. There has been just like if you're going to go for a puck in in a puck battle and it's a race, they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to slack off a little bit and let the other guy get there and just kind of wrap my stick around. That extra effort hasn't really been there. And it was tonight.
2: Yeah. And you can't manufacture those emotions, right? You You can't bottle up what it felt to hear that ovation tonight. Because if you could, Montreal would never have to do it again after what we saw with the Gila Fleur tribute last season, right? Yeah. Like that was, for as much as a meaningless game I've ever seen, the loudest that building has ever been. Like, if if you could bottle it up and manufacture it in another location, the Canadians would never have to worry about that. But like... And we've seen it at points this season where the the fans at the Bell Center are trying to are trying to will the Canadians into games. There was I think it was the Tampa game. They were down by four in the third period and they started doing the wave like they're trying to enjoy themselves and they're trying to breathe life into that building. And so many times it's just really difficult. I think that once again speaks to just like the characters that PK and Carey Price are because I mean the pop when Price walked out was unlike anything I've ever heard
1: yeah the pop for the triple low five was huge right yeah. and eric mentioned he, he, he knew that the preds were in trouble at that point i mean also second half of a back-to-back right i, I think yeah we, we got to recognize that but uh the canadians are a team that could benefit from the second half of a back to back here and there they could really use it uh what else did i have here oh jesse alonan first game of the year for him huge performance from him i thought i thought he like last year when he was up for a short stretch I thought he would look like an NHLer last year better than a lot of the veterans who were stuck here on long-term contracts. Again tonight, I it's going to be hard to send him down, I think.
2: Yeah, no agreed and it's funny how Druen and and Ylonian were both the extra skaters and there's four points between them at the end of the night. Like just a a really strong performance from those guys and it it makes it a lot harder for a guy like Mike Hoffman to get back into this lineup as much as like I think he's been playing pretty well. Like, it's, it's tough. Like, he clearly, Marty clearly wants to get guys like Armia going. He clearly wants to get, you know, guys further up in the lineup like Dodonov. He's putting Dodonov in some more, you know, in some better situations, playing him with their hottest forward, Jake Evans. Um, You know, both him and Armia were both with Evans, and they deployed as the second line tonight. Um, But, yeah, I don't know how Yolonen goes back down if he can continue to play like this.
1: It's going to be a tough decision. I I did want to talk about Nashville a little bit too because I got to ask you, Eric, does Roman Yossi have something on his stick that sticks the puck there? Some sort of weird technology or like a glue? Because I've watched Roman Yossi a lot and he's always been great. But tonight they could not get the puck off that man's stick. I I saw a couple full-on good-looking stick checks and he was just like, no, I'm just going to keep going. He was... Amazing tonight.
0: I mean, there's not a night where you don't say that at least once watching him play. He's just such a gift. Um, Nashville has been really a defense, a defenseman factory from its onset. And also now with Askarov playing his first NHL game, a, a goalie factory as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of fans here that look at this during that, that Anaheim run where we beat them and made it into the second the second round and then obviously the the stanley cup run where they played pittsburgh um this is not a hockey city it's never going to be a hockey city you were in the south it is football is king and, and everything else takes a back seat but i could tell you that the ticket prices will tell you that it is it is definitely uh a number two in this city and uh the the arena is full all the time. It sells out every night, uh, when they're in the playoffs. Doesn't matter. You know, they everyone knew we were gonna get demolished by Colorado. It didn't matter. The building was full, the building was loud. Um, but Yossi is just dude, he's amazing. It's Chris uh, Mason, the color guy from here, he had a really good line last year. He said he's like the night crawler, where he's like, he's in the corner battling for a puck and then he skates behind the net and then there's a two on one going the other way and he's the only one back yeah you're like how how How?" (laughs) like he's just i mean he is what defensemen are now and what people are looking for he's physical when he needs to be he has an unbelievable stick and can skate like he's not the fastest but just his edge work and his ability like he's not he doesn't have the skating ability of Cal McCarr, but he's right in that stratosphere. And, you know, like, it's just, I feel so lucky to be able to watch this guy. And I'll tell you this is obviously one of the most handsome human beings on the planet. And on top of that, literally one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. And you're just like, screw you, man. Like you can't be good <laughs> at everything. You can't, you know, like crazy good looking. One of the best athletes in the world his wife is gorgeous and he's one of the best human beings on earth. Like me and him don't know each other well, but every time he sees me and we have a conversation, it's like we've been best friends for 25 years. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I just feel so lucky to be able to watch him. I've watched him his whole career and I hope he never leaves Nashville.
1: Dude's got juiced stats, just like his everything stats all the way to the max, right? If he's a video game character, he, like when he was born, somebody was using the game shark. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Game shark, the gold one.
1: <laughs> it's a throwback. Did
2: Yossi, did Yossi leave the ice in the last five minutes of this game? It seemed like he was out there forever. Yeah. <laughs> like on the few icings that Montreal sent back the other way. You could just look at him and be like, he's got nothing left in the tank and he's still out there. Yeah, it was wild.
1: Yeah. He was fantastic. And you know, you mentioned that he may not be like the fastest, skater in the league, but I wonder, like I, I'm a terrible skater and it's one of the things in hockey where I'm not a good, uh, analyst of like what makes a great skater. Like I can see some, thum- some things like with like Sidney Crosby, I know edge work is a big thing for him, right? Cause it's, a, it's his agility to be able to go back and forth that makes his skating so special. But with Yossi, I wonder if like the efficiency of his stride is so great yeah. that it allows him to just have energy at, at all times and it, it's like uh, you may not be the fastest skater, but you might be the best skater if, if you know what I mean. There's like a slight difference, yeah. t- just technically, his, right? His
0: skating style, like to me, like I and I, I mean, I can skate. I played hockey my whole life. I'm not good at it, um, but I know a ton about it. And watching him, it, there's times where it it can. He's one of those players where it can look like he's not even working hard, right? It's it's like this. He's not a tall guy, but he has this long kind of really smooth stride and. There, it can be times where you're like, oh, my God, he's never going to catch him. Why is he not skating harder? And he just is like passing everybody. Yeah, Someone like, uh, you know, McKinnon, it's choppy and it's powerful and it's erratic at times. But he's just like a freight train. And then McDavid is just like on another. Yeah. There's no one that can skate like him. Nobody yeah. in the NHL. Nobody in the world. If people that have never skated and never watch hockey. You could watch Connor McDavid and say there's something different about how he moves. You know, it's, just, it's just the way it is. But Yossi's one of those guys that's just effortless. You know, It's it, it seems, and, and he's crazy competitive, right? Like, still very physical, but, you know, the whistle blows, and he's like, okay, we're all best friends again, and just gates <laughs> off. Like, it's it's unbelievable how the switch can go on and off. Such a good player, man. Such an amazing player.
1: Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, that that's kind of maybe an attitude that's bled through to the whole Predators roster in a way, because I feel like tonight was a very physical game, but it never crossed the line in into dirty. Both teams I think had like a healthy respect for each other out there tonight. It was, it was just like a highly entertaining game from end to end. You know like I I saw the intermission after the second was saying like oh like a little bit of a low event period. Shots were only like 5 to 6 or something and I was like low event. Like maybe by shots, but like did you watch that period? It was yeah, absolutely wild.
2: Yeah, I think Askarov is probably a lot to thank for that. I mean that's true. <laughs> he was in the first period. I mean, he got a real baptism by fire. I think like he, he, he was fighting for his life out there, and and you know, they don't ask how they ask how many. He he looked ridiculous in that first period. There were a couple of saves where off was like, I mean, I, I it hurt me watching him do the things he was doing. Uh, the The split save that he pulled on um, on Harris on the two on one. Um, I love when goalies play the puck so I love that he was really active and I think that's what bled into a lot of like the high eventness of that second period was he just came out to play the puck like every 30 seconds is what it felt like
1: yeah it absolutely did and you know Asgharov I we talked about him a little bit before we started the show I thought based on the pressure that he faced in the first period his first game in the NHL how confident he was with the puck I loved his game. You know, I think maybe like the first I like the Jake Evans goal. Probably he wants back, but most goalies are letting in the Kirby Dock goal and both Cole Caulfield goals. So, no shame for for him tonight. I thought that he played a really great first game of his career, and I think he's probably going to be on a few uh, Steve Dangle dang it videos <laughs> with the amount he plays the puck cuz that's going to bite him eventually. I I thought it was the craziest one was when he just held the puck and basically dared. Uh, I forget which checker it was for the Canadians to come in and try to take the puck away. He never moved it. And the Canadians player peeled off at the last second thinking he was going to pass and he just didn't. It was wild.
0: Yeah. I mean, that takes supreme confidence, right? Like uh, you see a guy that age, like, I don't know if he's even 21. I don't, I don't know how old he is, but I know that he's very young. Um it, the confidence. I mean, he's standing a foot and a half from his net, right? Like, I mean, there's nobody there. There's nobody back. It's him and the Canadiens player. I, I'm not sure who it was. It might have been Armia. I'm not 100% sure. I think it and was. And he just freezes, and Armia peels off to the corner, and he's still got the puck kind on of his and then uh, on on the the Preds broadcast, Chris Mason obviously played goal uh, for the Preds and uh, St Louis Blues. Uh, he's saying like you know like you got to be careful with that. You know you got to it's a you know a thin line of like confidence and, and overconfidence, and you know he's going to get caught sooner or later, just like you were saying. And then literally there was a race for a puck, and he skated out past the hash marks to play it, and they all just kind of just laughed and be like, oh here we go. Um, Rebound control was something to be desired tonight. But there's a a video uh from the Milwaukee Admirals, and they're doing these goalie drills where he's they're going post to post, and it's like two or three of the, the Admirals' goalies, and he's he's like literally lapping the other two goalies. He's going post to post at double the speed of the other two. These are NHL, you mean have AHL contracts and, and NHL contracts just like him two-way contracts and they looked like they were in slow motion compared to him. I mean, what they put up the stat. I think he was the highest drafted goalie since Carey Price. And there are a lot of people uh, in World Junior last year and uh, and when dra- the Preds draft team were comparing him and his kind of skill set and his his ability at this age to Carey Price. So I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, I, I especially like the save that stuck out the most to me. Obviously, he had the big one on Harris on the two-on-one. But the save that he made on Evgeny Dadanov in, I, I believe, oh. the second period, which was like a series of great plays by Dadanov, where he batted it through uh, Nashville defender's legs and then created a breakaway for himself, which, frankly, has been pretty rare for, for Dadanov this season. Yeah. And then the patience Dadanov showed, I was like, there's no way this isn't a goal. And then at the last second, I don't even know how Askarov was able to do it. He stuck out that leg and, and just took it all away. I was I was blown away by his ability to stick with that play. As like like you said, he's not going to be 21 until June.
0: Yeah, And buy a beer at Applebee's playing in the NHL. about <laughs> it; it's wild in the United States. I know you guys aren't used to that, but
1: <laughs> this is true. Still
0: 21 here for some Well, reason.
1: they can get him a beer tonight after the game, which he deserves. Uh, yeah, that's right. So enjoy I hope I, Montreal, buddy. Yeah, I hope his uh, National Predators teammates are treating him well tonight, and he doesn't end up with the 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 bad credit card roulette that they do to all the rookies oh, no, in the man. NHL, which really they they got to stop doing that. That's, that's sure just fine. mean. <laughs> have some guy who's making like league minimum or less on a call-up have to pay for like a $50,000 dinner. NHLers, they're mean. All right. Uh, last thing about hockey tonight, Cole Caulfield, another two goals. He's been the only consistent offensive force. I guess you could say all season, but... Also through this period where the Canadians have not been great. He's now on pace for, I believe, 49 goals in 82 games, getting close to that 50 point or 50 goal pace again. What is there left to say about Cole Caulfield other than this guy deserves to be an all-star?
2: I think the the you know, everyone's afraid of drafting and, and developing small forwards because they are afraid they can't play physical games, they take too many hits. Cole Caulfield got bumped again tonight, but the, and the last time he did was against uh Calgary. The only time he seems to take big hits is when he's, when the guy hitting him has no idea what's going on. Like Craig Smith ran into him accidentally, and he kneed him in the head accidentally. He just walked into him. I think it was, uh, was it Trevor Lewis in the Calgary game who just completely lost where he was on the ice and ran into Cole Caulfield on accident? Um So like if you were going to, find something of Cole Caulfield's game to knock him for it would be his size. And it has had absolutely no impact on the way that he plays. Um, you know, he can shoot and score from the perimeter. He can also get into really high danger chances because he has a, a good habit of just disappearing. He finds really sneaky ways to get in behind defensemen. Um him and him and Suzuki are trying are starting to find that chemistry again. Um where I think they're just more often than not, you know, actually being able to complete passes. Um he's been one of like the, the the consistent bright spots to watch this season. I can't wait until he's scoring goals that like I don't want to say matter cuz they all matter to him cuz he's going to try to put up 40 goals for the first time for the Canadians in 30 years. But, you know, it's going to it's going to be cool again watching him score in the playoffs. Um here it's hard to it's hard to remember that he already did that. Yeah, because that just seems like a completely different era of this team. He scored goals in that the, the Stanley Cup semifinal, you know. So it's he's a load of fun. It's it's you know one of the br- bright spots of a pretty uh, dim season.
1: And everybody who's like, I got a couple of tweets tonight saying like, are are people going to realize that Cole Caulfield's going to single handedly ruin their chance to get Bedard? Stop it. Enjoy special players doing special things.
2: And they're going to win it with Florida's pick anyway. So don't worry about it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) All right. um, I guess the other thing, the only other thing that I wanted to point out about tonight is uh, aside from the effort being there, what struck me about the Canadians, this, this game was they were actually trying creative plays. Like there were some passing plays in this game that we haven't seen the Canadians even attempt for 20 games, (laughs) which I guess Eric should tell you how rough of a season it's been, but but at the same time i gotta tell you a lot better than last season <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean i i follow like i'm not making that up i, I will watch over 300 games this year uh, i do it every year and have for the last decade um then i'll get up and i'll watch uh highlights on nhl network or or the the in the crease with uh, my buddy Arto cal on espn uh i have a subscription to the hockey news like a lunatic uh, I gifted one to Chris Meany. I don't know if he wants one, but I gifted one to him <laughs> for Christmas. And uh, I, I play I'm in like 45 fantasy leagues. Like I'm a psycho. And I, I I watch the Canadians and the stuff like Cole Caulfield is a gift for hockey. And I think it, it's going the right way where like, you know, Jeff Merrick says this a lot of times he said, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was a big player had to prove that he couldn't play in the NHL. And a small player had to prove that he could. And now it's, Physicality is definitely not going away. But if you got any VHS tapes, rock 'em, sock 'em, or, you know, uh, an old tape, it is, it's not the same game no. as it was 15 years ago. And it's not even close. Like, I think a lot of us, me included, forget how slow and how insanely mean <laughs> and physical and violent hockey was. And yep. it's just not like that anymore. And being tall doesn't mean anything you know like it doesn't mean anything uh especially now uh someone like jack hughes he's tiny tiny uh he, he's a great player one of the you know i would say probably top 15 in the nhl right now uh Trevor zegras is one of the most exciting players he's tiny uh cole caulfield might be the one of the most electric players in the league and he is he's not a dwarf but he's not too far off I he's mean, a he's, hobbit you know, he's, yeah he's he's a very very small man a very he's- small man
1: they used to call him Bilbo. I don't know if that nickname stuck or if he didn't really like it, but uh I personally love it. So
0: I'm short. Nobody likes being called short. So <laughs> yeah,
1: I feel I'm short too. I I love it when the short kings do do something cool in the NHL. I have always been a fan. You know, one of my favorite players growing up was Theo Fleury, which me too, unfortunately man. Unfortunately can't really be a fan of him anymore. Oh, yeah, he's gone yeah, off the deep end. Aged I'm not, I'm not,
2: poorly. <laughs>
0: yeah, he yeah. He's uh He's not my favorite human being, but when he played yes. hockey and didn't <laughs> talk, I really enjoyed him.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. He was amazing on the ice, right? Like, yeah. an absolute firebrand, dirty as all hell, yep. didn't back down from anybody. He, was <laughs> he awesome, loved him man. as a player, but I obviously has him. had a very, very tough and life. Marty
0: St. Louis, too. I mean, he didn't yep. take crap from anybody. Did, uh, uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Doug Gilmore, yeah. I had no idea how little he was. I mean, when you're little, like, nobody really talked about it, and then, like, I, I look at, you know, I have hockey cards. I look at the back or, you know, you see when I watch old footage on tape, you're like, he was tiny. His nickname was killer. And like, he's the often most nights at that point, he was probably one of the smallest, if not the smallest guy on the ice most nights. And he was a maniac player. He was not afraid of anybody or anything. Yeah. One of an my favorite players. Player. He was incredible.
1: Uh, although I, I still say he bladed in the playoffs and Gretzky didn't get him with the high stick.
0: Oh yes, he did. Yes, he did. If I ever meet Wayne Gretzky, I'm gonna. I'm good. But I'm good buddies with Paul Bissonnette, and I will drink beers with Wayne Gretzky. And I'm bringing it up. I don't care. <laughs>
1: you might have to get the wine going for Gretzky to talk about it. Well, we'll Whatever. see. It Whatever. Whatever. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He didn't win the cup wants. anyway. I'll
0: supply it. You just got to come clean. That's a penalty, and the LA Kings should have never played in the playoff or in the Stanley Cup final. Should have been the Maple Leafs and the Canadians, and Maple Leafs should have won
1: four game sweep. That's what it would have been. Oh, just like a
0: true Toronto Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> so bitter. But
1: Always bitter about 93. No Canadians fan is though. Uh, I did want to talk to you about wrestling a little bit, Eric, because obviously a uh, sure. big moment for you recently with impact wrestling where you were killed off. But before we get into your personal story, uh, cause I've been, you know, looking into more wrestling stuff and like researching your career uh, a little bit in prep for having you on and just, I guess just from search history and watching different things, my TikTok page is just full of wrestling content. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I <laughs> keep on getting get you,
0: buddy. You got to be careful.
1: <laughs> I know, right? And I keep on getting like variations of the same video, and it continually cracks me up. Is there anything in the history of wrestling that's ever happened that's funnier than Vince McMahon coming into the Royal Rumble and blowing out both of his quads?
0: <laughs> it's
1: honestly one of the funniest me, things i've ever there, seen in my life
0: there's nothing more hilarious I mean, <laughs> not my favorite not my favorite person in the world and uh I not bask many people glory of that move <laughs> yeah it was uh it was an all-timer for sure
2: yeah that's a connecticut native the uh the mcmahon family is not uh very well received so um, you know, I know that they have the big uh, WWE building in Stanford, but also uh, Linda McMahon was our governor for a short period of time, and it did not go well.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of that going around right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding.
0: All right. Not a so good. Well, for the McMahons.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It's been a while since there has been, I would say. But uh, so obviously uh, you had an epic storyline that ran through on Impact Wrestling where you're you're this basically the leader of this group and you've been kind of overthrown and you i don't know if this has ever happened before in wrestling you were stabbed to death
0: supposedly
1: supposedly maybe he's, he's alive never, who knows yeah, i mean
0: you never really see it you know it's uh it's something that wasn't shown but yeah i mean for me like uh the best part of wrestling is storytelling yes and um, that's what peeps, keeps people interested. You know, the, the physicality of it is amazing. You know, the, the, the athleticism, it is amazing. That's something that always drew me to it as well. But for me, the biggest part was the storytelling and being able to tell this kind of full circle story. Uh, a lot of the story is true with me and Diener, a guy that I've known for 20 plus years. I helped train him in Ontario. Um, He's one of the most underrated and talented performers in wrestling right now and it's cool to see him kind of get that a bit of the spotlight um very similar path for me and him he's the reason that uh, he's i was the reason he got brought into the group i wanted it because of the story of it and me and his history our real life history and uh you know it was really cool i mean it's it's the last two years uh at impact wrestling were probably the favorite of my entire career and that's it's a long one man there's it's a lot of stuff i mean I, if you were on the wikipedia you saw it all and it's uh it's a long long list of crazy things and a bunch of different things funny stuff and sad stuff and um but the thing i'm most proud of is, is those last two years and ending it like that is like you know i feel like if you're you're 14 year old 14 years old and you've been and you're watching impact every week and you see that like you're never going to forget that you no know? that you're never going to forget that uh it, good bad or indifferent like you're going to remember it it's something that's very memorable um a really cool way to go out uh in a weird way um it wasn't an overthrow it was uh, it was like this weird story where i was grooming him where i knew eventually i would have to leave and the person to take over was going to be him and he didn't realize that until that moment and there's like the struggle for the knife and i got killed and uh yeah, something I'm very, very proud of, man. Something I'm very proud of, and and won't we'll ever forget the last two years of my my career there.
1: Yeah, it was like watching it. It was you think it's gonna be like this big animosity moment, and at the end, it was almost uh like a peaceful passing of the torch. Yeah. But in character, you have to do the insanity thing, so it was it was pretty metal. I gotta say that, uh, Eric, it yeah, was pretty very cool. cool.
0: Very proud of it, man. It was very well received by, by everybody in the wrestling world, which is really cool. Stuff like that, you know, on the artistic side or, you know, we told a story without a match. There's no winner or loser. You know, it was just this thing that we shot in this little place here in Nashville. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Eric Tompkins and David Sahadi, the the guys that, really are the brains behind that stuff and putting it together. Those are the most talented guys, the production crew, uh, you know, editing it and putting it together and setting us up and, you know, we have to execute in the end, but, but we can't execute if they don't put us in that position. And there there's so many talented people behind the scenes. And I, would be remiss if I didn't mention Eric Tompkins, he's a, a genius when it comes to that stuff.
1: Awesome. I'm going to steal a question from, uh, our, our game over Toronto host Fwad who had, uh, edge on their show a couple weeks ago. And I thought it was just a great question. Obviously you've got a lot of runway left. You're not uh, at the end of your career, Eric, but if you're looking forward, if you could plan out your dream last match, how, how do you think it should go? What kind of match and who would you want to go against?
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, I mean, look, I'm, I've been a wrestling fan since I was three. It's all I've ever wanted to do. It sounds cliche and corny and whatever, but as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you, I am living my dream and have been since since 2004. That's when I signed my first contract and I could tell people that my job is pro wrestling. It's not my job right now. My job is talking hockey, which is kind of wild. But uh, when I figure out whatever is next, you guys will be the first to know. Uh, but yeah, it's for me, it would be a passing of the torch. Like if I'm leaving you know, kind of an unwritten rule in wrestling is the thing is like you, you pass your experience and you pass your clout and you pass your feather to someone younger that is going to say, you know, like oh I was the one that took Eric young out of wrestling, you know, and I handed that to, to Cody, to Deaner at, at impact on my way out there. And I hope to do that somewhere else. Just uh, again, like you said, I, I wouldn't say I got a lot of run, right. Uh, I got a, I got a good chunk of runway left uh for sure uh but I definitely want to do things the right way I I've I've uh a historian I'm a traditionalist when it comes to wrestling and that's the way it should be done and that's the way I hope for it to happen for me
1: with that in mind, I mean, obviously, I guess you don't want to pull like a, a full Ric Flair and wrestle into your seventies, but uh, no,
0: I, I definitely do not want to do that. I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> I feel
1: like that's gonna be that would be so hard on the body. Like, I just can't imagine it because I think people, even people who grow up with wrestling, and if like I think the easiest path is watching WWE, obviously, but if you see like Raw and SmackDown and then like a main event on the weekend, I don't think people realize that you guys wrestle. The schedule is insane. Like when yeah. you're when you're on that tour, it's like every night.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's always interesting. So I, I'm friends with some of the Titans players. uh I'm really good buddies with Mike Fisher. uh You know, we have we have have dinner and lunch several times here. And one of the first times we we're having lunch, and he was like, "So like, when's your off season?" And I was like, "I don't." What's an off season? Off
1: season. <laughs> he's like,
0: "What?" And he's like, "Like you don't take time off?" As like I haven't. I haven't had time off in 18 years, you know, and uh the first time I had more than 6 months where I didn't wrestle was when I tore my ACL. That was my off season. I tore my ACL and I I appeared on every show but I uh I didn't wrestle for 6 months. That's the longest I've gone since 1997. And uh knock on wood, that never happens again. Um but yeah, it's it's it never ends. And I mean the the honest truth is the wrestling, uh, you know, in the ring, that stuff, it, it could be very physical for sure, but that's the reward, right? That's the, that's the best part. And, and often is the easiest part. It's the, you know, the six hour flight and coach, and then the four hour drive in the backseat of a car and, and, you know, sleeping in a strange bed in a strange place and waking up and not knowing where you're at. And that never ends. It's, it's, it's all year round, uh, you know, guys in the WWE, like it, it's weekly and it never ends. It never ends. You know, your, your hardest day at work is Monday night. And that's when you're, you're asked to go as hard as you can. You know, it's, uh, we talked about back to backs and hockey. Well, Monday night is, is, a is for the fourth game, you know, fourth game yeah. in a row and you're expected to be at your best and, and, uh, casual people and even diehard fans don't fully understand it. And, uh, it's a very, very difficult and hard way to make a living, but I wouldn't change any of it, man, like any of it. I mean, concussions and injuries, and I'll be crippled and need new hips and knees and stuff when I get older, uh, but I wouldn't change any of it.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's like the, the sentiment you get from every wrestler who, who's made it right, is it's 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 hard, but the passion has to be so strong for you to get to that point that you love yeah. it so much that you'd never, you never Pretenders do else. get,
0: they get sorted out pretty early. Yeah. yeah. They get sorted out pretty early. You gotta, I mean, especially like someone like me, like I came, I grew up in a town, a uh, Florence, Ontario population of 65 people, right? Like the closest McDonald's is 40 minutes away. Like I, I'm not good at math and I was promised there would be no math here today, but <laughs> I think, you know, if you were really good at math and you were to figure it out, me sitting here and saying that I've wrestled and had a career like I've had. And I, I now through that doors have opened and I've, I've been on ESPN and I, have you know, I, I've, uh, I do this thing of with FTN with Chris, and I'm sitting here talking to you. Like I'm, I'm somebody, that's all those doors have all been open because of wrestling and from where I came to where I am now, it's probably less than a 2% chance. You know, like I'm, I'm five foot 11. I was chubby. Uh, my parents didn't have money. I don't know anybody or knew anybody in wrestling. I started at negative, right? Not zero negative because I was in Canada and you can't make a living, living in Canada and wrestling in the United States. It's, it's just, it's just not, it just doesn't happen. So it's, it, it is true. I mean, ma- mathematically, I think there's probably less than a 2% chance that I'm sitting here right now talking to you, but here we are, man, living the dream.
1: It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. What you mentioned earlier about passing passing on like your your clout and your like the torch on your way out is, is there? Cause I've kind of heard from like people who are more involved in the industry that the whole like the Montreal job, that there was a lot of I don't want to say disrespect. It's not the right word, but like the way that Bret Hart wanted to leave in that situation, there wasn't a lot. Like there was some angst about that that he wanted to win on the way out. Is that something that It's kind of like a faux pas in wrestling. Yeah,
0: it's just not the way it's done. And look at Bret Hart is and will always be one of the best professional wrestlers to ever live. I think probably, maybe in my opinion, the best physical storyteller ever in the history of wrestling. And I don't think anybody can touch him. I think there's people that are better than him at wrestling. I think there's better, you know, better athletes, better, but I mean, just a person with, limited athletic ability was able to to capture i I believe there was a time in canada he could have ran for prime minister and won i'm not making that up I, i i honestly believe that and he was popular there but there was quarters of the united states where he was equally as popular and in wrestling at that time a canadian being that popular on an american television show was just not something that happened and he was very singular in that way but Bret Hart believed that he was Bret Hart. The one that you saw on TV. Right. And my real name is Jeremy Fritz. I'm Eric young. Only when I come through the curtain, the minute I walk (laughs) back through the curtain, I'm Jeremy Fritz. Again, if you walked in my house right now, you would have no idea that I'm a pro wrestler. I don't have a single picture. I don't have none, nothing. I mean, I have hockey sticks and some jerseys laying around, but I don't, you would have no idea. And for, Him in that moment, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I don't pretend to know all of it. But the reality is, is he's leaving. He's not going to be there anymore. So, the right thing to do as a professional is you say, Okay, I'm on my way out. This is the next guy, like him or not. The professional thing to do is to put him over in a manner that makes him look strong. And that's not what he wanted to happen. And he threatened to take the belt with him and all this other stuff. Like, again, I don't know. I wasn't there. The only ones I can really answer those questions is Brett, Sean, and Vince. Um, but there's been enough talked about it. There's a lot of politics and weirdness in wrestling. I don't involve myself with them. I can't change it. I'm not a political person. I don't have the energy for it. I don't have the appetite for it. Most of the time, it disgusts me. Politics and wrestling, and politics in general, uh, are disgusting. So I don't. I don't. I don't concern myself with them. Uh, but yeah, I mean. The rules of wrestling and the rules of the profession he should have just lost to sean and went on about his business
1: do you think it was a work
0: no absolutely not no no it, how it happened is is how it happened i've had conversations with earl and it, it i feel like he was backed into you know vince was backed into a quarter again I, i'm not defending vince mcbappen he, he is He's he, he's not my favorite person.
1: Yeah, don't and, worry. There's no uh, defending Vince McMahon here. No,
0: <laughs> no, no I, I'm I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm saying is, there he really was trying to protect the WWE and and what he had created. And I understand that. And I think if you ask Brett, he probably would understand it to this point too. And I I, I I've been around Brett several times. He's always been kind to me. He's always been complimentary of me. And like I said, I think he's one of the best time ever. But in that moment, that's a moment for him to say, okay, it's time for, uh, I don't like Sean, we don't get along, but we're going to have this match and it's going to be great. And I'm going to look good and he's going to make me look good. And I'm going to make him look good. And I'm going to this other place to make all this money. And here's my feather for you, Sean. And off he goes to make more feathers. And that's how it's supposed to be done.
1: It's one of those things that like, if you were to approach it from the outside, you probably would have gotten to the right point for, from, for Bret Hart, but being in it at the time where he's there's that the animosity, it, right. right? He's,
0: he's trying to protect his image and his, like I said, he, he believes that he's Bret Hart. And if he loses people in Canada, aren't going to like him. I mean, the reality is, is 85% of the people know that you're not winning or losing anything. You know, yeah. it's, it's not a competition. So uh, it it's, it's wild how wrapped up some guys can get in, Winning and losing, I've never concerned myself with it. I never will.
1: Yeah, get wrapped up in your own storyline, right? And
0: yeah, it becomes real to you. I'm playing a character on a television show, man.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, and a great one. Let's be honest. It's there's a reason why wrestling is is still part of like it's so ingrained in like sport culture and just like the culture of I I guess millennials are. It's just lasted, right? Like how how long? yeah, it it's is. It's
0: a billion-dollar industry, and we can say whatever we want about Vince McMahon. I mean, I live in this big, beautiful house in Nashville. I have this amazing life because he refused just to say that wrestling was regional. He said there's no reason that people can't watch this all over the world. They want to, and I know it. And he just he he refused to say to, to the answer no, and he created cable television. You can say whatever you want. The WWE was the first to do it. You know, pay per view was made massive by the WWE um, streaming. He was ahead of his time with all of that, with networking and all. Like it's a it's a juggernaut. It took the it took the the world forty years to realize it. It's this m- massive juggernaut in the media world. Um, Fox pays them two point eight billion dollars for the rights to air their weekly show of television show. That tells you all you need to know.
1: Yep, hundred percent does. All right uh last question for you eric just quickly uh royal rumble or that crazy thing the uh wcw did in the 90s where it was royal rumble but with three <laughs> three rings yeah
0: it's royal rumble for me it, yeah it might be my favorite match uh it's, it's definitely been my favorite on my, it's on my bucket list um i worked there for two years and was backstage at two of them and, and never got a chance to be in them um so yeah, I mean it's it, it's definitely bucket list. If I'm never in one, I mean uh, it'll be fine. Like I, I've already accomplished more in wrestling than I ever thought I would. My only goal getting into it was to sign a contract so I could tell people that I knew that I did it for a living. I did that in two thousand four, and everything since then has been gravy, man.
1: Awesome. All right, thanks for joining me on this show tonight, Eric, and of course. Ian, it was a fantastic game tonight. I hope uh Canadians fans enjoyed it. I hope Predators fans enjoyed it. And uh we'll be back on Saturday. Enjoyed enjoy it as much? No, probably not as much, but hey, you know, it was still good a good road game. trip for
0: them. We're, we're sniffing the playoffs, so all is well. Exactly.
1: And you know what? They played well enough on the second half of a back to back, I think, that you can kinda you can be a little yep. bit happy about it, right? I think it was could have would... used that
0: could have used that extra point in Toronto the other night, could
1: really yes. used that. It would have been less of a sting if they would have beat Toronto, right? Yep. Unfortunate, but uh, what can you do? All right, everybody. Thanks so much for watching, and make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you ring the bell so you can make sure that you get uh, notifications whenever a video is posted. And uh, follow Eric at the Eric Young on Twitter. Follow Ian at Maybe It's Ian. It is Ian. There's no maybe about it. Don't be fooled by the name. And uh, subscribe to the Build Podcast and check out Bet Shelly on the Fantasy Sports Network. We'll see you Saturday. Until then, this has been Game Over Montreal. I just keep on running. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Doing a Michael Scott here. Game
0: Over! Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's
1: Sportsbook.